0: Strong is brought to you by Blickman Engineering, home of the top tier brewing stand. Visit them online at BlickmanEngineering.com
1: Brewers, it's time for the beer radio you've been looking for. This is the show that dispels myths, tackles the toughest topics, and makes no apologies for geeking out on beer. Hosted by two guys that drink before they think. Jamil chef and John Palmer. This is Brew Strong.
2: Hey, howdy, hey, my Brewing brothers and sisters.
3: Greetings, greetings. <laughs>
2: Uh, I'm, 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 I am doing well, my friend, um, cool. I'm exhausted, we've been adding equipment at a breakneck pace, we've, uh, uh, put in a couple more 120 barrel fermenters, we got our ma- malt silo in, but then sweet. we had to, uh, 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 we got centrifuge fusion, we had to, uh, so, from the malt supply, uh, the, the silo company, I'm like, uh, six months ago, I ordered the silo and load cells and an indicator so that uh, we'd know how much, you know, malt we were putting in the batches. Yeah. Well, <laughs> they come out to install it. I'm like, so, and, you know, the load cells, and they're like, what load cells? The load cells that I ordered that were on, you know, the invoice, like, uh, oh, we forgot. And then apparently there's, you know, some sort of boom in the grain crop industry or something. So they're putting up silos at uh, an insane pace across the country. And so load cells, they're like, well, you know, it's like a 17-week load time on load cells. Oh man! I'm like I can't wait seventeen weeks. I've got a contract for truckloads of malt that you know starts in December. We're in January, and uh, I need to start using that malt. I can't wait seventeen weeks. So they're like, well, you know, they tried to to figure something out, but um, so I said, forget it. I'll just do it myself. So I got I got me some load cells off of eBay. (laughs) I got myself (laughs) a, a used indicator off of eBay. And then, uh, so we have this wooden grist case that we, we built, mm-hmm. and we had to come up with a way of converting that to sit on the four load cells. And the way the load cells work, I mean, they you know, it's kind of like a cantilevered foot, yeah. so there's a lot of torque on those feet in order to translate that into the, you know, the, the strain that changes the... Uh, load cell to, uh, you know... Uh,
3: yeah, how much weight you have.
2: Right. And so uh, we started out with these these feet, and I had our welder make some feet, and uh, he ended up grinding the bottoms to make them nice and flat and smooth, but that thinned out the metal so much that the load cells just completely twisted this eighth-inch eighth plate steel. Oh, wow. each and it all just, just mashed them down. <laughs> Like, okay, well, that won't work. So, we had to take them apart. We had to cut those pieces out. We had to weld on new quarter inch plate. Uh, Andrew, who works for us, he uh, he was like, Yeah, I welded my own brew stand. I'll, I'll, I'll take it. And so, he, he did the welding. And then we uh, reinforced with some uh, angle steel in between all the feet to, to help transfer the, uh, the load evenly. Uh, yeah, yeah. And uh, so. I was just very pleased uh, when we got this done that, uh, you know, I, I, I've hired a lot of smart people and people that, uh, you know, they see challenges and they're, they're willing to just, you know, move forward with them. You know, a lot of times people, the, the biggest stumbling block in business is you hire people who can't work outside the box, can't take on new right. challenges. They, they just want to plow through their regular day one step at a time. Yeah, when you need somebody who can, you know, people that can go. Okay, well, the game's changed. I need to do something different. I need to think differently. I need to work differently. I need to. I need to accomplish this task because that's the task we're working on. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm real pleased. So,
4: cool. you think uh, how many breweries would uh, just be up uh, a three thousand dollars shit creek if that happened, right, when they'd right. have to get a welder out there?
2: And, right and you have the uh, in-house uh i tried in well, i tried getting the welder out there he was busy <laughs> at some <laughs> other brewery right i'm like well screw it went to harbor freight bought a welder went to uh lowe's bought some some metal uh you know when we just put it together and uh go. that's the yeah. american spirit there you go yeah <laughs> it's it's pretty sweet now i i'm very pleased and uh so we've been loading it and unloading it as we've been brewing. And I told the guys, you know, send me the numbers. Uh, you know, every time it's loaded, unloaded, and we can see where we're at. And uh, the right now, it's it's maybe two pounds. One pound over, one pound under. Mm-hmm. Uh, and when you're talking about a 23, 2400-pound batch of grain, uh, two-pound uh, error is Not too bad. pretty
3: sweet. Yeah. I'm pleased. Well, you know, that brings to mind a uh, mutual friend of ours. An engineering mind like no other.
2: Yeah. John Blickman. That's the guy. He uses that same kind of, uh, you know, uh, internal fortitude that uh, American can-do spirit to, to, uh, you know, I'll give you an example. For forever, when you went to fill a bottle with your beer... There was a couple of ways of doing it, you know, the the tubing and let it foam over like you fill a growler. And then there was the counter pressure bottle filler, and everybody was doing counter pressure bottle fillers. That was the way it was done. That was the state of the art. Sprayed many a
3: beer on the ceiling,
2: right? That was it. I mean, you could, you know, it, it took some doing, but you could get them to work. But that was mm-hmm. the the state of the art. And then along comes John saying, "You know what? I think you could do it better. I think you know." There's a different solution to the problem, and he came up with his quiescent uh, filling uh, technology, which is patented, by the way, where he's filling it from the bottom gently, and ah, the beer gun was born. That's an amazing, amazing way of doing it, and uh, that's the kind of thing they do there at Blickman. Uh, you know, uh, JP likes to say, uh, "Innovating your your homebrew," and sure enough, I think that's one of the best marketing lines I've, I've heard uh for blickman engineering they're always uh coming up with new stuff to make your brew day better
4: what's he done for us lately though i mean the beer gun came out what i know yeah
2: he's resting on his laurels i think
4: yeah come on john
2: (laughs) maybe maybe he'll come up with something uh and have something new at the uh, nhc in san diego
3: huh well i've been playing with his brew easy lately and it's a lot of fun it's a pretty nice system
2: (laughs) you've been you've been fiddling with john's brew easy
3: Yes, it's uh, it's not a stirring uh, mechanism of any kind. It's a it's too short for that. It's an all-in-one uh, <laughs> brewing system. You add all your water up front, and then uh-huh. push a couple buttons, and it brews for you. Cool. All, all right. right, but it's not. It's not as uh, you know. It's not a completely automatic thing, but it is uh-huh. real nice when it comes to mashing, programming, and temperatures, cool. uh, recirculating and it's um, just kind of a step back and let it do its thing and, and until you're ready to add hops.
2: You think he's going to have that at the NHC in San Diego? I'm sure he will. There you go. Well, I suggest you all get down there and uh, see John Blickman and uh, check out his Brew Easy and uh, all the other goodies that will bring with him. And uh, say hi and thank him for sponsoring the show so you don't have to pay for it. All right. Today we are talking about... Uh, uh, some experiments that John did That you, John Palmer did That's right Who is not the same as JP Which is Jason Petros And is not the same as John Plisset Which is uh, Policey, And is not the same as John Blickman I got a lot of Johns in my life No kidding mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm just saying I enjoy a good John So I got plenty of them uh, But uh, the Palmer uh, Did some experimentations on uh, pH and extraction you know, I, I guess the uh, the the wisdom of the internet says, well, you know, with uh, off pH and temperatures and things like that, you're going to extract all these harsh flavors, and
3: uh, you know, maybe that is or isn't true. Right. So I decided to look into it a little bit, and uh, I wanted to f- figure out, you know, how do uh, temperature and pH affect the flavor that is extracted from spices or from steeping uh, roast malts, and so I mean the the experiments I did are by no means completely comprehensive and in, and uh, in answer every question, but it does shed some light on it, and that's what I hope to share with you all today.
2: All right, well, that sounds quite intriguing and, and quite useful. I love it when people do experiments uh, you know our friend uh, Kai he does he does a ton of them. And yep. uh, that's I, I think that's just great. I don't I don't care w- really what the <laughs> results are, uh, you know. I just love the fact, or you know, even what it's about. I love the fact that people are instead of just accepting what is, uh, you know, off repeated, they are you know trying to, you know, either verify it or you know make some more sense out of it and give people something solid to work from. And I think that's that's one of the things that's really uh, improving. Uh, homebrewing at a rapid clip so uh very cool i'll tell you what let's take a short break and when we come back i want to hear about uh you know the structure of your experiment and uh and uh, you know we can kind of get into uh, uh you know what you expected to find and uh what you did sure find. yeah all right, right after good.
0: this tonight is the night we bring the creature to life dr
1: blitzmanstein
0: yes jp Dor. everything is perfect for my next fermented creation my daughter the storm is too far away we'll never have enough power to
2: isomerize the creatures i
1: <laughs> yes jp door we will for i have in my possession the tower of power
2: Do I have a pint.
1: Don't be silly, jp We have beer to brew.
0: When I order a beer, I want my server to know more about it than I do. I want someone who enjoys good beer and loves helping others enjoy it too. I want someone who knows how to pour a perfect pint for every beer style. I want a cicerone. are tested on storing and serving beer beer styles flavor and tasting the brewing process and ingredients and pairing food with beer learn more about your next beer guide at cicerone.org certified cicerone because it takes top talent to present a perfect pint since the first time the brewing network microphones turned on more beer was behind it More Beer sponsors the programming on the BN because, like you, they love brewing. And like the Brewing Network, they love sharing their knowledge. MoreBeer.com isn't just a website to place your next equipment or ingredient order
1: The two guys that know how to turn beer into beer. This is Brew Strong. All
2: right, we're back. Uh, Yep, we're back. Thanks for reminding me. Yes, we're back. Uh, all right. So well, I, know, John,
3: I know you need agreement in your life. Yeah, you're, you're, I do. He's a
2: perfect yes man. I need confirmation of, of my uh, my my weak state. Yes, you do. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So John, tell us uh, uh, what you expected uh, from your experiment, and what your or uh, you know the parameters of your
3: experimentation, and uh, what sure. your your
2: your hypothesis was.
3: Sure. Well, you know, it, it kind of goes back to the the common knowledge or the common view that um, when we steep spices in water or steep them in, or, you know, steeping dark malts in water uh, prior to adding them to um, uh, another wort or something, um, that pH has an effect, that uh, the pH of the water, if it's alkaline you know and very basic or if it's acidic it and have an effect on the flavors and i've been I've been you know working on some beer kits uh, lately and and I've been wondering you know how effective is uh, steeping uh, malts or spices in wort as opposed to plain water you know kind of rather than having to. Um, set up a, you know, making a tea off on the side if I couldn't just throw everything into the same pot and get, you know, similar results. Um, so I wanted to evaluate, you know, what the effect of, um, you know, steeping in wort versus steeping in water uh, had on the flavors and aromas that we would extract. So I, uh, I spent a day making uh, spice packets. Um, I put uh, one gram each of cinnamon and coriander into some envelopes I made out of coffee filters, and uh, then I made another set of packets uh, using um, roast barley and black malt um, in coffee filter envelopes. Uh, Those are 10 grams of each, and uh, and then these I steeped in in water or wort, uh, depending on what I wanted to check, and I did them for... uh, uh, Fifteen minutes for the spices because um, I thought that would be adequate at 150 degrees to get you know some some uh, measurable amount of flavor and aroma out of the spices. spices. Um, and then when I went on to do the black malt um, steeping, I decided to do that for 30 minutes just because that is a more conventional time for steeping of roast malts. Uh, when we're homebrewing. So that's kind of where I started out from. And uh, I prepared several solutions uh, to do this. Um, I went to the store and got some distilled water and uh, measured the pH of that, and the pH of that water was 6.6. Uh, 6. Um, P- distilled water can have a pH of anywhere from 7, which is you know completely neutral, um, freshly distilled water, deionized, should be around 7, um, perfectly neutral. But as distilled water sits, um, it can absorb CO2 through the atmosphere, through the, through the container, and uh, the, the pH will gradually drop down to about 5.6, and that's due to the, due to the uh, dissolved carbon dioxide and carbonic acid that is created in distilled water. Uh, like that when it sits, so the p the pH of the water I had was six point six, so a little more neutral. Um, my tap water pH was seven point three, and here in Los Angeles, um, our tap water is kind of middle of the road. It's uh, fairly hard. Um, sixty four calcium, thirty magnesium, one hundred and sixty. Uh, uh, parts per is total alkalinity, 125 sulfate, 105 chloride, and 72 uh, ppm of sodium. Now, I did that, I did these uh, numbers uh, here at home with uh, using a, a brew lab, but they do closely match with the numbers I, was, I got last month from um, the MDWD here in Los Angeles, the uh, municipal water and power. Uh, company and uh, this water has the tap water has a residual alkalinity of 97 which is pretty high it's a you know it's a so in other words it's a fairly hard fairly alkaline fairly typical water for uh, much of the country Uh, anybody that's getting their water from um, a limestone aquifer or uh, you know, groundwater source is going to have water pretty similar to this. And then I made uh, another water using the distilled water. I added calcium chloride and sodium bicarbonate salts to that to create a water that had an um, a residual alkalinity of 180, which is quite high. Um, more similar to say Texas and North Dakota, where they're real, you know, fairly dry regions that sit on top of limestone. Then I took uh, some more distilled water and acidified it, um, and I had only intended to acidify it down to like 4.3, you know, something that's very similar to a a, a final beer pH. But uh, one milliliter of hydrochloric acid in one gallon of distilled water gave me a pH of two point seven.
2: Yeah, with with nothing to buffer, uh, yeah, you it know, really drops. It, it, it drops uh, incredibly. So
3: yeah, um, but you know, still one one milliliter, one gallon. It's pretty low concentration as far as uh, chloride. So uh, you could taste you could taste the uh, the slight acidity to it, but it wasn't. Uh, it didn't. It didn't taste strange at all. And then I made a ten fifty wort using pale malt extract, dry malt extract, and that had a pH of five point seven, right where you'd kind of expect it to be. Um. So those are the those are the solutions I started with. And in the first experiment, I did uh, this. I steeped the spices. Um. I heated all the solutions up to 150 degrees, and then set them in a a hot water bath on the stove to keep them warm uh, while they were steeping. And so the temperature is pretty consistent between uh, 145 to 155 uh, during the steeping. Um, Not perfect, but, you know, for in terms of this general setup, I think that that variation is pretty minimal in terms of the Performance of the uh, uh, the steeping and the extraction. Um, I guess the. I also added uh, a room temperature um, distilled water steep, and a boiled distilled water uh, sample, to kind of give me some outliers to compare to. these were, and again, these, these uh, spice packets were one gram each of, of powdered cinnamon and powdered coriander in the coffee filter envelopes. And they were steeped for 15 minutes at 150 F, or 15 minutes at room temperature, and 15 minutes uh, at boiling in a, on a low simmer on the stove. And then uh, my daughter and I uh, sat down and, and tasted them and smelled them. And um, the, the differences in, uh, or lack of difference in aroma was kind of interesting. Um, all of the steep samples had, um, the, the water samples had a very similar arom- amount of aroma to them. Um, the wort sample, of course, uh, the, the aroma was kind of uh, overshadowed by the maltiness of the extract. But you could get uh, at the same time. You did get a sense of this of the spices, the cinnamon and coriander, coming through, and it gave it kind of a nice gingerbread smell. Um, I don't know if I'm going too fast in terms of uh, reciting all this, but uh, feel free to jump in if you want if you have a question. Say something, um,
2: Jamil. I think that's what he's saying. God damn it! <laughs> <laughs> I'm just sitting here drinking. Okay, um, uh, listening to the podcast here. Uh, oh no, this <laughs> is live. Um, <clears throat> well, and uh, so yeah, I would I would think that uh, you know with the w- w- steeping in wort, uh, you know, really uh, a couple of things are happening. One is the f- the flavor of the wort is going to, uh, and the sweetness is going to make a, a big impact on. Uh, uh, you know, the flavor of the steep uh, right. ingredients. I, I, I wonder, you know, perhaps uh, did you try steeping in these different ways and then adding that to uh, the wort and seeing how that matched up with the one that was steeped directly in the wort?
3: I didn't do that, and that's probably uh, a good good aspect to go back and, and uh you know, replicate the experiment do that right, aspect right. as well. Because I also
2: wonder, um, so I, I would think that that would kind of even out the playing field when you're checking the perception. Uh, the other thing would be, um, you know, I wonder how much the uh, osmotic gradient, shall we say, between, you know, wort and uh, uh, just water, how that affects the extraction of Whatever compounds from yeah. the grains or the or the spices,
3: yeah. And I was I was curious about that too. And I went. I uh, later did uh, an experiment um, trying to get uh, um, ex- extract from roast malts in terms of gravity points mm-hmm. um, in water versus wort. So I got to try to get a feel for that, and I'll I'll talk about that tw- uh, a little later. Um, the in, I guess in summary, the you can get a majority of the gravity points um, from steeping crushed grain in wort um, as you do in water. So um, caramel malts, I got roughly 90% of the points. Um, roast malt, I got about 77%, which is, you know, so Regardless the majority... Regardless if of the, it was water or wort? Yeah, um, so I, I steeped side by side, mm-hmm. and uh, the the crushed grain steeped in water at one hundred and fifty F for thirty minutes. Uh, I got um, X number of of uh, gravity. I think it was like 10, 1056, um, free in um, and then steeped in. Uh, wait, let's see. That's not right. I got like 1040 dinars here. Well, I don't the number. Well, okay, I'll you, well.
2: I'll tell you what. Uh, while you're looking that up, Uh, You can find more riveting uh, uh, experiments just like this, uh, probably at the AHA conference uh, coming up in June in uh, San Diego. I don't know if you guys know that. The AHA, the American Homebrewers Association, they put on the National Homebrewers Conference every year. They do the uh, uh, National Homebrewers Competition, the largest uh, beer competition absolutely in the world. Uh, bar none, commercial or uh, homebrew. I mean, it's like 8,000 entries. It's uh, several thousand entrants. It's pretty amazing. And they do all this off of your membership dollars. So, uh, you know, you, you sign up for a membership uh, through the Brewing Network. You go to the com. You click on the AHA logo. Brewing Network gets a little slice of the pie. You get uh, great uh, membership in the AHA. Uh, that membership gets you uh, Zymergy great magazine with lots of interesting stuff uh, in it. It gets you the pub discount program where you go places like Heretic. Uh, Hop Grenade, you guys got an AHA discount here? Yes. <laughs> there you go. Said with confidence. <laughs> uh, and uh, you get uh, most importantly, you get uh, a organization that's looking out for homebrewers. Uh, you know, a lot, lot lot, of stuff goes on with uh, in the political world nowadays with Uh, people who are making money off of beer trying to affect uh, those who would make it at home uh, for their own enjoyment. So... Uh, it's a good good idea to have an organization like this, so yeah. you can you can check them out. And they the put AHA. out
3: Zymergy magazine, which is a really good resource.
2: Yes, you weren't paying attention. I already said that.
3: Um, <laughs> the legislation part is really
2: important. It really I seems like so
4: every every <laughs> right. few months or every couple of months, it seems like there's some major battle some, going yeah. on somewhere. I mean, this is important. Where stuff.
2: all of a sudden you can't you know, like share a homebrew with somebody, you know? It just becomes really bizarre. Uh, so it's, it's good to have an organization that's out there looking at that stuff. And and like I said, you you get all your money back off the magazine. You get the pub discount. They do the HA rallies, you know, a lot of stuff going on with that, that, uh, makes it really worthwhile. It's a great organization full of great people. So, so check that out. Let's do this. Let's take a short break. And when we come back, um, John there there will be what I want more of actually is uh,
4: John uh, shuffling papers I I really I got to say John I I really do love that it's very old school radio like uh, and uh, in local news I I just love it let me
2: light a cigarette and then we'll we'll, we'll get back uh, I I smoke cools it's it's the menthol in them that makes them the best for for radio all right let's take a short break when we come back we'll hear more of John's experiment after this
0: Enter to win. for strike and sparge water ditch the fumes and second burner and make mashing easy go to williamsbrewing.com today and browse their vast selection that's williamsbrewing.com orders placed by 4pm pacific time weekdays ship the same day brewing is easy the Williams way
5: Listen, our lawyers said that we had to do this for one hour, and after this we don't have to talk to each other for three more months To the next
6: meeting. Come on, let's get out of here.
5: I'm supposed to have more lines. I'm the professional. You can find our world famous Heller High Watermelon Wheat Beer and Brew for Your Die IPA in the Northeast, Northwest, parts of the Midwest, and Alaska, in cans and on draft. So next time you're at your local neighborhood pub or good beer store, be sure to ask for Twenty First Amendment in cans
3: because everyone likes it in the can.
5: Tasty crack cans.
3: Tasty crack cans.
0: A few things happened thirty years ago. ARPANET migrated to TCP/IP, and the internet was born. Revenge of the Jedi was renamed Return of the Jedi and opened in theaters. Mila Kunis and Emily Blunt were born, beginning a rad fantasy in my mind. But all of that pales next to the fact that HopTech opened its doors and began blowing homebrewers right out of their mash tuns. HopTech doesn't fuck around. Real people shipping awesome shit straight to you. Their new website is fast and easy to navigate or just call 800-379-4677 and let badass bitch jade and the gadget guy roberto blow their warm load of customer service all over you so visit the site or visit the store in dublin california and support those that support you get your brewing on at hoptech.com Hey, my brewing brothers and sisters, this is Jamel
2: Zanishef, and I want to tell you about Heretic Evil Twin. You might be familiar with my homebrew recipe, which uses massive late hopping to create a balance between the malty sweet and the hoppy bitter, along with an outrageous malt and hop character. I wanted a beer with the same bold hop and malt character, so we played around with the homebrew recipe until we were able to make a great commercial version, too. We've created a beer rich in malt character, full of caramel, toast, biscuit, and an ever-so-subtle roast note. On top of that, we piled in an insane amount of citra and Columbus hops at the end of the boil, as well as in dry hopping. This damn-the-cost approach to hopping gives Heretic's evil twin a great blast of citrus and tropical fruit that can't be matched by any other hop. The result is a bold, malty, hoppy, but easy-drinking beer. This is our top seller, our flagship beer, and I couldn't be prouder of it.
0: Cheers. To find heretic beers near you, click on Find Some at HereticBrewing.com.
1: Learning to brew has never been so disgusting. This is Brew Strong. All
2: right, we're back. Uh, we're talking about uh, John's uh, extraction uh, experiment. And, John, what, what, so what we were talking about before the break was uh, uh, the extraction uh, potential and how much you derived of that uh, in water versus wort if uh, you were extracting a little less because of, uh, you know, perhaps some sort of osmotic gradient or some sort of solubility factor uh, with all the sugars already in the wort.
3: Yeah, and I think that is a factor. Um, Like I said, when I I steeped uh, the same amount of crushed grain in water and in wort and then measured the gravities that I got as a result, and the gravity of uh, the the wort that I got from steeping grain in wort was anywhere in the range from seventy-seven to ninety percent uh-huh. of what I got when I steeped that much grain in that much water alone. Oh, okay, so
2: you had a ten to twenty-three percent reduction uh, when in you gravity it, points. It, yeah, it, when you steeped it in wort versus uh, steeping in plain water, which which makes sense. Yeah. Um, so there's there's one factor there. That's yeah. why I'm curious if if you steeped it and then uh, added it to Wort versus steeping in Wort. What kind of uh, you know flavor difference you get? You, I wonder if you'd get uh, you know. And this is one of the things that I've I've come across. Now, I believe that pH plays a big role in this. I believe that you know osmotic gradient or uh, uh, you know the. Uh, the solubility, solubility of, of sugars or what what have you um, uh, plays a big role but uh, I'm not so sure this the temperature of steeping has such a, a, a huge effect I think those other things are much greater uh, versus temperature and 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 the internet lore and many people even on these shows repeat uh, m- often that oh cold steeping your your dark malts overnight versus uh you know a short steep at, at 150 uh oh it's much smoother and all this stuff i i, I just don't buy it uh, mm-hmm. i'm not sure that that has uh, uh you know uh, I'm, I'm not saying these people are wrong but these people are wrong
3: <laughs> yeah well that is, that's also one thing i want to look at and uh-huh. that's I got a little bit of data in that direction. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, along with these 150 degree steeps, I also did one at room temperature mm-hmm. and that packet was allowed to sit in there for four hours mm-hmm. compared to the 15 minutes the other ones were steeped. Right. Yeah, because you need I, much, you know, time
2: uh, yeah. is such a factor. You you could steep for a few minutes and extract as much as you would, uh, you know, over hours. Bamforth. You know, one of his things is every ten degrees C doubles the the uh, the rate, yeah, or reduces. So, you know, one fifty versus seventy, right? um, You know, you're looking at uh, you know four a factor of four,
3: right? Right. Yeah. So it's it's a it temperature is a big difference, Mm -hmm. and then I also boiled one sample for fifteen minutes. Uh, or a, you know a low simmer mm-hmm. um along at the same time I was doing the others all the samples were allowed to cool down to room temperature before I tasted them and mm-hmm. smelled them mm-hmm. and I I had saran wrap over the tops of the glasses I, I was joking to my wife it's like you know I finally came up with a legitimate reason for me having 20 different you know pint glasses in the cupboard that are all the same shape <laughs> it's because it makes experiments like this easy um but it was interesting. I mean, I, I looking at the samples visually, mm-hmm. uh, the boiled sample was definitely the darkest. Had mm-hmm. extracted the most color from right. the spices because mm-hmm. um, uh,
2: temperature, temperature and time.
3: Yeah, mm-hmm. and um, the more basic uh, solutions, that is, the high RA water and the tap water, were a bit cloudy. Um, mm-hmm. You know, fairly cloudy, in fact. Uh, compared to the acidified and distilled water, Mm -hmm. uh, which is also interesting. Um, The pH of the samples rose universally except for the wort sample. And um, the pH pH only rose a couple of tenths um, generally, although in the sample that was boiled. Even with the dark malts in? I'm I'm not talking about the dark malts yet. Oh, Okay. You're talking about the spices only? The spices only. okay. The boiled spice sample, that rose a lot. It rose from uh, initial pH of like um, 6.6 to 9.25. Wow. Yeah, so it got quite basic.
2: That's interesting.
3: while the others, you know, um, for instance, the distilled steeped only went from um, like 6.6. That one actually fell a little bit to 6.1. The tap water sample went from 7.3 to 7.45. Um, the high alkalinity water, um, 7.3 to 7.5, I think. Sorry. But anyway, something something like that. It was just, um, uh, that was actually, yeah, 7.8. 7.8 to 7.8. So, uh, you know, the, the, the pH changed a little bit, but the wort sample was still 5.7. And the boiled sample rose quite a bit to 9.25. In tasting them, um, the distilled water room temperature sample that sat for a long period of time had a lot of ro- aroma, uh, a lot of spice aroma, but very little flavor compared to the others. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, the distilled water that was steeped had a nice aroma and a nice uh, spice flavor to it. Mm-hmm. The one that was boiled had a very strong aroma, but it was different. It was much more woody, less spicy, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. the taste of the uh, of that uh, mixture was, uh, was was astringent, and it tasted like plastic. Mm-hmm. It just really was not a very pleasant uh, ar- uh, flavor at all mm-hmm. compared to the others. The tap water, interestingly enough, uh, tasted kind of metallic. Mm-hmm. And even tasted more metallic than the acidified water sample. Um, And I'm wondering if that was perhaps due to the chlorine content or chloramine content in the water. Mm -hmm. Um, The aroma was very similar to the others, but the taste was not as good. Mm -hmm. Um, The high uh, residual alkalinity water made from distilled water with a couple of salts. Um, It had an earthier flavor than the distilled uh, water sample. Um, not necessarily a bad flavor, um, but just a little bit earthier than the distilled water sample. And the aroma was very similar. It was Mm -hmm. very good. Mm -hmm. Um, The acidified sample had, uh, still had a little bit of sharpness uh, or or not not bite, but a little, it had an edge to it, an acidic edge. Kind of reminded you of uh, unsweetened apple cider. Mm -hmm. Uh, The aroma was fine. Um, The wort sample uh, of course, the the malt aroma, you know, kind of overwhelms the spice aroma, but you did get a real sense of gingerbread um, spiciness to it, and the word flavor was very nice. Uh, had a had a kind of a gingerbread uh, mm-hmm. flavor to it.
2: So, what what do you take away from this for steeping of spices?
3: What's your conclusion? Well, I, my, I think the best uh, the best flavors were from. Um, You know, steeping as opposed to either boiled or room temperature.
2: Mm -hmm. um, I got more extracted the the flavors you expected. Yes. not just the aroma, and uh, so I guess if uh, you know maybe the thing to take away from that is if you're looking at um, uh, you know generally steep like normal at at mash temperature uh, your your spices, but uh, if you're short on aroma, maybe steep a little extra in some, some water and add mm-hmm. that? Is, is, is that yeah. – could that be – you know, and maybe, you know, after fermentation and everything, you're like, okay, so flavor's good. Now's the time to add the aroma. So you do a little steeping of that separately and dose that in
3: and kick up the aroma at the end? That That's another good way of looking at it, yeah, yeah. There you go. Um yeah, kind of two avenues you can go there. Um, it's room temperature, you get more of the aroma, less flavor. Steeped, you get more of the aroma – or sorry, more flavor along with the aroma. Because um, aroma is always the, the harder one, I think, to get sometimes. Yeah. Um, then I went from there to uh, the malt, mm-hmm. the, the roast malt. Mm-hmm. And for that, I used uh, two varieties. I was going to do one, and then I thought, well, should I should do the other. <laughs> Um, so I decided to do them both together, save time. <laughs> so I, I put uh, 10 grams of crushed, um, actually uh, coffee grinder ground, um, uh, b- roasted barley and black prince malt, uh, prince mm-hmm. malt from mm-hmm. Breeze, uh, which is a, is a, d- a roasted wheat, mm-hmm. kind of like a, husk, a huskless uh, roast malt. And they have some real nice coffee flavors uh, to them. And I followed much the same uh, uh, procedure. Uh, I had the same amount of water in same glasses at 150F in the water bath. But I steeped these for 30 minutes. I also did a distilled water room temperature uh, steep and a distilled water uh, boil uh, sample uh, for uh, the same amount of time 30 minutes and the the differences in flavor were much more apparent here the room temperature steep uh, of the malt you got a lot of dry coffee flavor and aroma in that water um, the flavor and aroma were very similar to unbrewed coffee grounds you know just like smelling a, a bag of ground coffee mm-hmm You know Starbucks or something new, and you had had that very pungent but very dry character to the flavor and aroma. Um, When I compared that flavor and aroma to the steeped sample, now I had a less of a coffee character, more of a tea flavor. Um, It had it had more flavor. Uh, more depth of flavor than the room temperature steep but it was not as dry tasting interestingly enough and, did, and had a different aroma again I kind of compare it to you saying it was more tea like than coffee like um, and uh, the aroma of that steep sample was, was much more similar to uh, smelling the grain you know, the, uh, the crushed grain or the whole grain uh, that I was using rather than say coffee grounds. Um, the boiled sample was uh, just nasty. It had a smoky, charred flavor, uh, very much like drinking uh, coffee that has gotten too hot in the pot in the you know in the office. It's been sitting there for five hours. It's like you okay. can
4: see us, uh, John. I've been doing that all morning.
3: <laughs>
4: yes, <laughs> the, the Mister Coffee
3: is right here. Yep. Yeah. Thing still works it's a, it's that burnt coffee aroma and flavor it was just, it was just bad. Mm-hmm. Um you dump enough uh,
4: coffee mate uh, french vanilla in there and you're you're you're, you're golden. <laughs> <laughs> Go on, sorry.
3: <laughs> sure. Um the uh, wort steep sample had a very nice malty aroma of course. Um in this case you got the malt but you also got the kind of a mocha coffee uh, aroma coming up as well. Um and for fun I compared uh, the two steeped wort samples, the, the gingerbread one versus this mocha one, and, and the difference in aroma between them to the raw wort itself was very apparent. Um, so uh, I, can't, you know, I can't put a number on how much flavor and aroma were extracted into the wort um, as a result of this steeping, but certainly you could tell the difference, you know, uh, holding them up to your nose with your eyes closed, which one was which and which was the, the wort alone. Uh, that hadn't been, had anything steeped in it, so the aromas did come through nicely, and it had a real nice flavor. Um, the wort, uh, the, the the wort sample that had the boiled uh, malt packet, um, that again was pretty nasty. It had a burnt fruit, burnt food flavor, as opposed to a burnt coffee flavor, um, kind of like uh, you know scraping the bottom of a skillet uh, kind of flavor. Um, which wasn't very pleasant. Now, in this case, all the pHs uh, fell. Um, We had, you know, a distilled water pH of about 6.6. The pH of the uh, room temperature um, sample, that fell from 6.6 down to 4.8. The steep sample fell a little bit further, down to 4.75. The boiled sample fell the most. That oh, 4.75 4. is the same thing. Yeah, pretty close. You're very, you're, you are correct. Very close. Um, <laughs> I, I do have accuracy. A, I, I don't know. Well, you know, I am saying they're. I am I'm saying that based on my measurements, they were point um, zero five different, mm-hmm. um, and you know, on, on my pH meter. But you, there is a certain amount of. Uh, the slop in that thing, yeah, so similar the boiled sample though fell down <laughs> to four point four five mm-hmm. so a uh, you know decrease um, from six point six and four point eight down to four point four mm mm-hmm. see the uh, wort sample that was steeped went from five seven down to five five mm-hmm. and the boiled sample went from five seven down to five point Mm-hmm. so um that's interesting, and in, you know in terms of you know how how we should treat our roast malts, you know uh, we've always you know internet lore and and advice in homebrewing books has it been you know don't boil your malts you know when you're mm-hmm. steeping right uh, and this pH drop and the flavors that we experienced or I experienced in this uh really show that and mm-hmm. show why we say that the flavors are much harsher mm hmm
2: now, what about any perceived benefit of steeping cold versus at mash temperature?
3: I think, you know, it was a different flavor and aroma. Um, How long did you steep for with the cold? The cold in this case was done just for thirty minutes. Right. See, I think if you steep uh, overnight or
2: you know four hours or whatever, I yeah. think I think it's just a difference in the amount of extraction. Yeah. I think, uh, so,
3: but it hit it like I said. It had a much drier uh, kind of aroma and flavor compared to the uh, the steeped one, the 150 degree. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I probably should repeat that data point and mm-hmm. you know for a, for a longer period of time, yeah. and you know indeed do it overnight and see how it compares. Because that's what the internet lore will
2: tell you, and uh, I, I I just I don't believe it. I mean I I don't think there's any real harm in it, but I don't think you're People go into all these lengths and claiming that it's, you know, the second coming. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm sorry. I, I, uh, you know, if the Palmer tells me it's true, then I'll believe it. But until then, I got to say, I got to call BS.
3: Yeah. Or at least
2: skepticism. Yes. High high dose of skepticism. I'll tell you what else, Uh, you know, what I'm not skeptical of. Is the... Fine sponsor... AdamandEve.com. I don't know if you've been on the site, but if you uh, enter the offer code Jamel, J-A-M-I-L, on AdamandEve.com, you're going to get a whole slew of goodies for not a whole lot of money. I'll tell you what you do. You use that offer code, Jamel, at AdamandEve.com, and just about any one item you choose, you're going to get that 50% off. That's all the money you're parting with. 50% off on one item. Pretty cheap. They're going to throw in a free extra gift. So sensual, I cannot mention it on internet radio. Because God knows who's listening. <laughs> They're going to give you three free adult DVDs. And not just any old garbage. You actually get to choose from categories such as uh, amateur, anal, Asian, uh, big breast big butts, bisexual, chunky, co-ed, fetish, uh, gay, POV, uh, lesbian, MILF, uh, a couple others. And then you get free shipping. So again, you're not even paying shipping. You get Fifty percent off one item, you get the free extra gift. You get the three free adult DVDs of your choosing. You get free shipping. That's it. Pretty pretty sweet uh, deal there at AdamAndEve.com. So check it out. You can even do it off your mobile phone. Uh, you know when you're when you're sitting in the can at work. Uh, you know, don't don't check sports. Uh, go to AdamAndEve.com. Order yourself a giant dildo and a bunch of other things
4: i love that they uh, that everyone along the line is making money because it is ridiculously inexpensive when you purchase stuff from them with coupon right. codes how, and, how and,
2: are, and how are they making it they're
4: not making anything the manufacturer the trucking and shipping yeah. the warehousing
2: i mean this is this is lost leader this is just getting you to buy once well I actually, and then once you do they're like well you know if you need if you need something more which you will you know, refill on the lube. Right. Uh, you're gonna go there. I've thought about it though, as it pertains to like heretic. Mm-hmm. You know, you see
4: what is what does shallow grave go for on the shelf? It's like six six fifty a bottle or something like that. We price it so it should hit five ninety nine. That's I'm telling you. That's I love that everyone is making money. Maybe you're not. Maybe you're not. I don't know. <laughs> At that price point,
2: it's great. Yeah, I'm the one who takes in the shorts. I don't know, but uh, yeah, oh, man. And I tell you what pisses me off. Sometimes you see like shallow grave. It's like eight fifty nine bucks a bottle. Now, if you have like a retail location where you know you're serving pints and you're you know you, you got storefront footage and you're serving food, all, I can understand that.
3: You're storing when, the bottles cold. When,
2: when it's like a, a you know a bottle shop or just like a, a grocery store or whatever, corner market should yeah. be five ninety nine. I'm just saying, you know, you're making your thirty percent. Everybody's making their 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 nut off the thing at five ninety nine. Good it stuff. shouldn't be eight something, but the the way the laws are, I can't do anything, and that's in California. If if you're trucking it across the country, I could expect it to be a little more than that. So, yeah, uh, you know, it's just people uh, profiteering off of things sometimes. Hey, Not everybody capitalism, does. man. Yeah, you and I yourself. can understand, like you know, you're in San Francisco and and rent is absolutely insane per foot. Uh, well, you need to charge a little bit more here in like the dumps of Concord I mean in the <laughs> in the lovely downtown of Concord you probably you know there you go I'm just saying all right let's take a short break when we come back uh, we'll have John wrap it up after this.
6: Hi, I'm Jamel Zaneshev, and in
2: addition to my work on the Brewing Network, I write the style profile column in every issue of Brew Your Own magazine. Hi, I'm Sean Paxton, and when I'm not prepping for the home-brewed chef on the Brewing Network, you can find me writing articles on how to cook with your home brew for Brew Your Own
3: magazine. Greetings, cretins. This is John Palmer, and when I'm not writing for Brew Your Own, I'm
0: reading it. John Palmer, Sean Paxton, Jamil Zanishev. If you love listening to them on the Brewing Network, you'll love reading their articles, tips, and recipes in the pages of Brew Your Own magazine join Jamil, John, and Sean eight times a year in Brew Your Own. And when you subscribe to BYO on the Brewing Network website, half of your subscription price goes right back to the BN to support great beer and food programming. So sign up for Brew Your Own magazine through the BN website today so you can listen and read your way to better
1: homebrew. And now, Northern Brewer presents What If Homebrewers Ruled the World. Ladies and gentlemen, if you'll follow me, I will lead you into the gallery area. Now, the first piece up for sale today is a Jameel Zena Chef original, a bottle of 1997 vintage Evil Twin. Oh, I see. A bidding for this one-of-a-kind piece will start at 7,000 pounds. And if you'll continue to follow me, ladies and gentlemen, I can show you a rather abstract piece from Bay Area brewer Justin Crossley. It's a German Doppelbach entitled Justin's Giant Bach. The brewer's notes here indicate that this beer had excellent mouth food. That's just a crazy dream.
5: Or is it? With Northern Brewer, a thirsty nation can craft its own air? For the greater good of mankind. Northern Brewer, the home of superior customer service
1: and the finest selection of home brewing goods for the future. Back to the beer guys that make other beer guys look like wine guys. Brew strong.
2: All right, we're back. We're enjoying the uh, lovely uh, California weather. Hop grenade, yes, in the lovely California weather. Absolutely. While the rest of the country is freezing its nuts off, yeah. we are sitting here in balmy uh, California. You've yeah, I was been, just uh, reading <laughs> during the break. <laughs> Don't show says. me your disgusting feet and your disgusting hippie sandals. W- <laughs> hippie? Yes. Hippie? Please. Hippie. I like my feet to breathe yeah i'd like for the rest of us to breathe i'm just saying (laughs) just saying yeah in florida they get snow in jacksonville california we're
3: fine it's 75
2: Mm. clear breezy yeah i might need a i might need a light light sweater i don't know
3: (laughs) well i i wanted to wrap up by saying um what? Uh, that I don't mean to ignore uh, other brewers that have done similar experiments and reported their results on the web. Oh, the hell uh, with them. Yeah, I haven't read them. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, but it, it was one of these things where I was thinking about it, and it's like I wanted to test myself, uh, you know, tonight, tomorrow, uh, I will look at other experiments on the web. Mm-hmm. But I wanted to get my own done first before I started, uh, you know, Influencing sure, uh, sure. my perceptions on it. Well, yeah, and
2: it, it, it's not that, uh, you know, the, the best the best experiments can be repeated. Yes, that's and right. And verified by others independently. So, you know, if other people repeat the experiment and find the same result, then that experiment's true. Because there's, there's the possibility of error or you know whatever things you know going on yeah. on an experiment and if it can't be repeated you know uh it's not true until until it's uh, repeatable so there you that's go that's right
3: yeah so i i plan to repeat this again I, I plan to do the uh the malt steeping and extraction numbers experiment again mm-hmm. get some more data points uh try some different conditions and trying to try, try to put some more numbers to that because it it's interesting um there's also the fact you know in addition to like uh constant sugar concentration affecting how much sugar you get you can extract from the grain mm-hmm. in the case of a caramel malt or something there's mm-hmm. also the the friability the the bulk of the grain and how much you know extract that grain pulls out you know pulls mm-hmm. with it when you lift the bag out mm-hmm. um you know there's a fair amount of loss there mm-hmm. um, so because you know you're not sparging you're just kind of draining um so you know i want to look at look some more at that Mm -hmm.
2: but all right so let's let's you know everybody always wants a recommendation so what should i do
3: well i think from from tasting all these different samples i think the best flavors come from uh a 150 or moderate temperature uh steep for um, 15 30 minutes, you know, a reasonable amount of time. Mm-hmm. Um, I, At this point, I really can't say how a cold steep for a very long period of time compares,
6: mm-hmm.
3: um, other than to say that's a little, from what I've tasted, it's a little bit different. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're looking for a richer spice flavor, then hot steeping, like as in tea, seems to give you a little more flavor than a cold steeping cold steeping seems to give more aroma uh, or at least aroma with less flavor comparatively at cold temperatures Mm -hmm. Um, going much hotter starts changing the the way that flavor is expressed and the boiled samples were uh, you know relatively unpleasant Mm -hmm. compared to the other samples in terms of the the, you know the kinds of flavors that, as a brewer, I'm looking to put in my beer. Well, I would um, s-
2: I would also suggest that there's a big difference between boiling and uh, just you know necessarily hotter. Yeah, I think that phase change, you know, uh, to gas and all that, uh, everything that's going in the dynamics of the boil, yeah, uh, can make a, a, a substantial difference. So, I th- you know I imagine anywhere in the general mash range, you're probably fine. Um, mm-hmm. I think uh,
3: I, I think a lot of our preferences in terms of what we the kinds of flavors we want in our beer mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. are kind of driven by mm-hmm. standard brewing practice. You know mm-hmm. uh, what what we've tasted you know growing up in other people's beers um, and trying to replicate those flavors or or you know put in a similar flavor to something we've tasted before. Just in food in general, yeah. Mm-hmm. We're kind of all doing it the same way, and I think the reason for that is uh, because the flavors we generate you know in a in this ballpark of time and temperature are uh, similar and what we tend to regard as pleasant or positive, right. going outside that box tends to give different flavors uh, that we very often perceive as unpleasant or unfavorable. I always prefer to stay inside the box. I don't know about you
2: uh speaking of outside the box we've got a caller online one
4: hey matt yeah you're in virginia yeah what's
2: up it's cold
4: <laughs> hey y'all
5: um yeah so uh, kind of a question a little tangential here but just got me thinking um jamil you've kind of uh, generally encourage homebrewers not to fiddle too much with their water you know nice to get a ph meter uh you know check it and um, you know, and, but once you get it going, you know, don't worry about playing with your water too much. But I, I, you never really commented uh, too much what heretic has been doing. And you mentioned throwing a, a pitcher of uh, calcium chloride in here and there, but um, you know, can you can you give us a little more detail about um, you know what y'all did there and how you dialed it in and if you've you know you make a lot of ongoing measurements and changes?
2: Yeah. So uh, what we do is we carbon filter all our water. And then um, uh, for our hoppy beers, we generally throw in about two pounds per – 32 ounces per 30-barrel batch. Uh, And then for the dark beers, we'll do like a pound of uh, chalk. And uh, that's pretty much it. And we – you know, it's, it's pretty steady. We've got a good water supply, so there's not a lot of changes. And, um, you know, the changes in the malt and things like that, they'll make a difference, but but not a whole lot.
5: Yeah. And when you initially did this, I mean, I assume you, you checked the pH, you were happy with how the beers were coming out. And, I mean, was that just it? Or was it like, well, you know, maybe we need another quarter pound of, of you know, X salt or... Or was
2: it just that easy? Yeah, you know, I think one of the the, the great things that uh, the Palmer says is, um, you know, mineral adjustments are kind of like, you know, adding salt and pepper, uh, you know, seasoning on a a dish. And so we believe our seasoning is correct in those ratios. Uh, If we need to adjust pH, uh, we have uh, phosphoric acid that we can add and uh, adjust the mash pH that way. I wouldn't go heavier on, on these salts. I think people kind of go crazy on the salt additions. You know, it's like, um, you know, too much salt or pepper on your, on your eggs. You know, maybe it was, you know, a, a drop of, you know, a couple of drops of vinegar in your, in your boiling water or whatever for your, your soft boiled egg, whatever it is. Um, so there's, there's different ways to, to approach it. And I think um, adding a lot
3: of mineral salts is a mistake. Yeah, and I agree with that. I think, uh, again, like, like Jamil said, we're, with salt additions, we're really trying to fine-tune, um, you know, the other, all the other brewing s- processes that come before uh, the salt addition have a much larger effect Um, and recipe is a larger effect towards, you know, a really good beer than water adjustment or, you know, unless it's gross water adjustment or mistake. But I mean, you know, we're, we're trying to just fine tune at this point. So what Jamil, what I'm hearing is, you know, Jamil looked at his uh, pH, um, made some adjustment to the, the minerals, uh, to uh, that would benefit or enhance, you know, a couple of beer styles, but didn't go overboard with it. Instead, relied on his malts, his hops, his yeast, you know, for the majority of those flavors.
2: Thanks for calling, Matt.
3: Yep. There you go.
2: All right, uh, another fine show. Uh, good job uh, for the Palmer. Uh, Thank doing you. doing his experimentations and sharing that with everybody are you doing a a presentation at the uh the conference in San Diego this year? uh hadn't planned on it um, no, okay i All thought
3: right. i'd I thought I'd sit back and listen you know there's he's a lot of others you plan on, on drinking stuff. heavy that's what i
2: that's what I read into that well, I'll tell you yeah, if you, you like be to be drink heavy, up. I would sh- suggest you you drink heavy and then go talk to John Blickman at the conference. I think that's he would appreciate that uh. He'd appreciate you also checking out uh, the website, uh, BlickmanEngineering.com, Blickman with two N's. Uh, check that out. They've been sponsoring for a long time. Check out Adam and Eve. Check out uh, the AHA. And uh, best of all, check out the Brewing Network store. There's lots of goodies there. They've got uh, hats, hoodies, glassware, books, all the thing you can get John's water book there, uh, all at com slash store. And when you buy stuff there, all the profit goes to the bottom line of the, the brewing network and makes a huge difference in, uh, in uh, keeping shows like this on the air. Until then, everybody, brew strong. Brew strong.